0: Well, good morning, church. And as always, I want to take a quick minute to look in the camera and say good morning to those of you that are watching online. Hey, real quick, I'm just curious, how many of you are actually excited to be in church this morning? Yes, I tell you, after, uh, after first service, man, I was pumped, and a lot of great things happening in the lobby in between services, and <laughs> good to see you, <laughs> and uh, just a lot of good things that were happening, and people are like, man, it's just so good to be back, and it is, and it's so incredible. I don't know about you, I also love not only being together, I love this weather. How many of you love, how many of you, let's start, how many of you hate this weather? You're like, give me warm. How many of you love this sweater? Or love this weather. I love this weather because I get to wear my grandpa sweaters. That's why I like this weather. I've got plenty. I've got a gray one and a khaki one. They all look the same. All right. You're going to see plenty of that this fall and winter. But I I love it. I love this weather. I also love this weather because. Man, it's football season, and how many of you are excited? Big Ten football's back this weekend. Finally, some of you. Okay, moving on. All right. Well, too bad, because I have a football analogy. Hey, oftentimes that, um, you know, football players were in this season uh, or the series of Rootin, and we're talking about environments that God grows us to be like Jesus, to get rooted in him, and football players get into environments as well to become a better football player, Now, here's a couple environments a football player has to get into. The first one is probably something you all know and understand is football players, they got to get to the practice field, right? If they don't practice, they're not going to develop their skills or grow as a football player. They're not going to understand what route to run. What's the exact blocking scheme that's happening? How do I guard a wide receiver or not? You got to get onto the football practice field in order to improve. But the second environment is this. You can't just stay here and call this good, because we know football is a contact sport. It's a violent sport, but it's wonderful. And you have to get into the weight room. Oh, no one. See? Do you see what I did, Spartan fans, for you? All right. There is no Michigan analogy in this thing at all. So here you go, I was blessing you. I am maturing in my faith to you all, all right? But I grabbed this because it, I think this is a beautiful picture. Whether you like the team up there or not, that is a beautiful facility. They gotta get in the weight room because they face Michigan. Anyways, I'm kidding. Um, they gotta get in the weight room to develop. They gotta get stronger, they gotta get quicker. You know, it, it's a violent sport. We're going head to head, men against men. It's, it's violent. And that's another environment, is they gotta get into a facility to do some strength training and conditioning. So we got the practice field. We got the weight room. And there's a third environment a football player gets into. More in the, on the collegiate level in the NFL than maybe high school level, but I know high schoolers do this as well, is you gotta get into the film room, where you're sitting there watching your own film. Where am I making a mistake? What am I doing wrong? Why can't our running back get to the outside? Line, look, you're stepping in the wrong direction. Everyone's supposed to step right. right. We all are stepping left. But not only to look at yourself, but you look at your upcoming opponent. What defense are they gonna run on us? What does it look like when we go trips right? What kind of defense do they shift into? Now we know how to attack that defense and vice versa. Three environments that football players get into. The practice field, the weight room, And the film room. I think for you and I, as we have been journeying in this season together, rooted, there are three environments that you and I get into as followers of Jesus. And the goal of the three environments, if you will, we'll say it together, is to be like Jesus. And that's the goal of these three environments we've been looking at. The row, the circle, and the chair. Now, let me get us caught up real quick. We talked two weeks ago about the row. That's what you and I are in right now. It's over there represented by four chairs. It's what we do on Sunday morning. And the goal is to be like Jesus, but hopefully you get something out of a teaching looking into God's word. And now we can apply it in our lives, at the workplace, in our schools, that we are now changed in some way or another. That's the the row. And Jesus models All of these examples. In fact, he teaches in the churches of the ancient world, Jewish synagogues. Jesus teaches there. He teaches the crowds out in fields. Jesus uses the row. But then another environment, which we'll wrap up this whole series next week and talk about the chair, it's represented over there. It's very personal, it's you and God. And oftentimes we see Jesus got away from the crowds and the masses just to spend time with his heavenly father. And we're going to talk about that and that, what that look can look like in your life if, if you don't have that yet. But last week we talked about the circle and last week I told you the circle that was more like part one and this is going to be like part two. But before we jump fully in, I want to just quickly cover with you What last week we talked about. We talked about four convictions of the circle, this environment where we actually people with other people. And those four convictions, really quick, were number one, we're not supposed to, can we read these two words together, friends? Travel alone. You were meant to do life with other people. You are an image-bearer of God, and if God is three in one, God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, they are in community all the time. You can't do life alone. There is no lone rangers in our faith. We need each other. That's core conviction number one. Conviction number two, the purpose is to learn the Jesus way. It's to respond to like Jesus in difficult trials and temptations of life. We use the churchy word, if you will, discipleship. Understanding, learning the Jesus way A group of believers can help one another Here's another one You are the church You're it It's really hard to help one another And be around one another When we're just in rows all the time Try encouraging one another right now You've got one minute, ready, go Okay, the point, it's a little difficult, right? A little difficult, a little awkward too There's things that the row is beautiful, but there are things that only the circle can do that the row can't do. And we need to love on each other in a different way than that. The row here just doesn't allow it in America. The row just doesn't allow it. We need the circle. And here's the last one. And I love you. Remember, I love you, I love you, I love you. People are annoying. Remember, I love you. All right? Turn your neighbor and say, You're not one of those. Turn the other neighbor and say, You may be that one. How many of you are like, I ain't doing that at all, pastor? (laughs) Maybe you're one of those. No, I'm kidding. I love you too. But hey, we people, people that we love are sometimes a little annoying. They get under our skin. They irritate us. Even best friends, even the closest family members can be a little bit. Pastor, are you even allowed to say people are annoying? Yes, just did. (laughs) All right. But in a loving way, we get it. It's it's hard sometimes. It's difficult, but here there are four convictions of the circle environment when we get to be around other believers, and um, I just I just really want to encourage you. You can't run the race of life alone. You can't. Our faith was never meant to be an independent study. Our faith is a group project. That was good. You, you, I hope you're quiet because you're like, oh, that's good. I'm writing that down right now. How many of you, growing up in school, you hated group projects? Anyone? Keep them up. You know why those hands are up? You're the smart ones in school. Because <laughs> smart ones hate group projects. Because we know there's a bunch of leeches in our classroom that are going to leech on to my knowledge and my wisdom. The rest of us, were like, yeah, we were those. Give me the smart people, sign me up, right? That's what we were doing. We need each other, though. It's a group project. Man, the enemy wants you singled out alone in life so he can attack. You are so much easier to attack than when you are around a group of people encouraging and building each other up. Here's something I know about God's kingdom. It's this, that God has built his kingdom where we need one another. We just do. It's just how God operates his kingdom. I mean, I thought about this is if I was going to build a kingdom, how would I build it? Like, I, I love everything about the kingdom of God and the righteousness and justice and holy living and saving the lost. I mean, I love that. But would I sit there and go, man, I can just do it all myself? Or would I invite people into the process? And yet God chose, we know he could just sit in heaven and go, I got this, all you guys are messed up anyways and sinners and lost and you're broken, but I got this, don't worry. But he chose, he chose to use you and each other. To build his kingdom in fact the writers of hebrews says this in hebrews chapter 10 and let us consider how we may spur can we read these two words together one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together because i think there, there's a tendency in in our life to be caught up with a bunch of things very busy culture very busy honestly if we, we take a step back and looked at our calendars we'd be like well wow, i am just way too busy But I love what the writer of Hebrews is getting. Listen, some of you are giving up meeting together. And he's not just talking about the row experience. He's like, listen, because you are giving up, you can't spur one another on, and we can't give up spurring one another on. We need each other. Here's three principles I know about one another. Number one, one another is God's plan, is God's plan. Alone is never the best. Some of us in life, honestly, if we took back, we're like, man, I am pedaling 100 mile an hour in life and I just can't do it anymore. It's because you were never meant to. you got to invite others in to help you grow. It's God's plan, not our plan, but we'll bow in reverence to his plan. Even when we may disagree with his plan, his ways are better than our ways. Here's another one. One another isn't always easy. Why? Remember, fourth conviction of the circle, people are what, friends? Yeah, it's not always easy. It gets messy in the circle sometimes. When you have to deal with other problems, you're like, Pastor, man, I got my own problems. I don't want to deal with other people's problems. Yep, I understand. There are moments where you're like, I'm just done peopling, right? God, get me out of here, send me to Hawaii for about six months, and I'm good. But it's not the way God has built us and wired us. He says, right, what did Jesus do? I'm going to get in their mess, and I'm going to save them. And if the goal is to be like Jesus, should we not get in the mess of other people if we're truly following him? No matter how uncomfortable or how difficult it may seem. Listen, the circle's never easy. But the beauty on the other side is incredible, and that's where the blessing is. Here's the last one. One another takes a choice you can choose i just like the row and i'm good you can choose i like the row and the chair but i don't like the circle i don't like it it's a choice we have free will to choose but i know god's heart he's sitting there going i really hope you make this choice because listen how many circles did jesus have i'm going to talk a little more intimate circles He had the 12 disciples, those 12 guys that followed him around for three years, watching his ministry and teaching. That was a circle. And you know, within that circle, he had another circle. He had Peter, James, and John, three people that he went even deeper instruction with. He had circles. If the Son of God had a circle, how much more do we need a circle? There are some things that the circle is just greater than the row. I love the row. I love Sunday morning. I can't tell you when I wake up my alarm. I'm like, yes, I get to go to Radiant Life. Yes, I get to be on stage with a bunch of people I love. I love it. I'm wearing Mr. Rogers sweater this morning. I love it. This is a great experience. I love each and every one of you. I love seeing new faces. I love the kingdom of God and how God transformed life. I love the row, but it's hard to one another in the row. It's difficult. In fact, I, w- I want to show, do you know how many one another's there are in God's word? 59, 59 times to followers of Jesus, we ought to one another. Over 100 times, the term one another is even used. I'm just going to show you a short list. This is not um, everything, but here's a short list Forgive one another. No, that's too hard. Accept one another, only if they believe what I believe. Care for one another. Okay, maybe. Encourage one another. Submit to one another. Restore one another. Carry one another's burden. Oh, dear God, I have enough of my burdens. I don't need someone else's. Bear with one another. Even in a political season that's extremely polarizing, bear with one another. Pin drop. I'm serious. Let me take a time out. JB will talk. Pastor Josh will talk. In two weeks, a little over two weeks, is the election. And I was going to do a standalone. All right? We're doing this podcast, Faith in Politics. That was fun. Got one episode done, and I walked away like, oh, dear God, I hope no one hates me during this uh, we got four, probably four more to go. And it's just, it's just Josh and I, Pastor Josh and I, were just a bunch of followers of Jesus trying to understand faith and politics. We don't have the answers. So in two weeks, I was going to do a standalone on faith and politics in, in, like, in service before we get into our November series, the Holy Spirit and things like that. And I was like, okay, God I was like, I got to be prayed up on that one, right? I'm going to offend some people on this one. And, um, you know, what I realized is, no, I think what we need to do on the Sunday before the election is we're going to have an incredible moment of worship, but we're also going to have incredible moments of prayer time for our nation. And hear me, please hear me. Please hear me in my heart. We're not praying that our candidate will win. We are praying that this nation will bow down to Jesus Christ because only Jesus will change hearts. Politics changes policies, but Jesus Christ changes lives. And that's what we want. And listen, we're to bear with one another. I know Christians who will vote blue. I know Christians who will vote red. I can make make a statement that will change your mind to say, yeah, Jesus is a Republican. And I can change your mind. I promise I can make a, a very strong argument to say, and Jesus is a Democrat. There are things in both parties that represent the kingdom of God. Man, I wish we had one that represents all of them, but we don't. So we just need to pray. And whoever is in the White House, you know what? We ought to be on our knees praying for them, but I'm not shaken because my faith is in God and Jesus is still on his throne. He is king of king and lord of all lords. That's what I care. I want to make Jesus more famous than the political sign in our front yards. Woo! Pin drops. I told you, I love you. I love you guys. Here we go. I just want to talk a little bit. Are, Are we okay? Are we okay? We love each other, right? We love each other I'm telling you right now I probably could split this room in half Half of you are voting for one party And half of the other I, prom- I think that's the t- We'll love one another though Listen <laughs> I'm not done I'm off politics The scary thing in our culture today is It means if I accept you And love on you That means I accept everything of your lifestyle No I could still say this is a sin But I love you And I'm going to try to get you into heaven, and I'll love you to hell and back if I have to. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus went to the prostitute. The prostitute. When everyone wants to stone her, everyone wants to kill her, it's Jesus who humbly sits there and comes to her. And everyone says, what are you doing? You can't hang around with those people. Hey, the kingdom of God is for these broken and hearted people. Come on. Come on. Alright, I'm getting I'm good. Mr. Sweater, Mr. Roger Sweater's about ready to come off. Alright, back on topic because I got some good stuff here. Alright. Alright. Turn to your neighbor and say he still loves us. If you're at home, love you. Alright. Let me just jump into the book of Romans. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over three one another really quick for you. Really quick for you. Because what's interesting, what's happening in Rome? We have the letter in the New Testament called Romans. Paul started the church in Rome. And then he's getting a bunch of house churches and circles happening in Rome. And he's writing to those people. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 12. Be devoted to one another in what, friends? In love. And I love what this word right here is. In this word, it's the Greek word Philadelphia. We have a city in America that's in Philadelphia. It's known as the city of brotherly what, friends? There it is. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about that circle. Hey, you guys got to be that family affection to one another. That's what Paul's after. You got to show a family the circle that you're in, that you have brotherly love, that you have sisterly love. So my question is, Ryan, what does that look like in the circle? Well, it can mean that you have that person that's pregnant. And man, your circle is super happy for them, right? It's, it's a big, momentous time in their life, and you are so excited about them. And then they give birth, and you guys are showering them with wipes and diapers and all this good stuff that most parents get as they have a child. But then you're like, hey, we ought to set up some meal for them. Let's love on them, because everyone knows food equals love. Amen? Amen. Right? And especially tacos, because tacos are delicious. And so, what does it look like as as a circle that we we shower this new couple with just family love and and, and just with meals and not stopping there? What does it look like to shower this couple now and you actually say, hey, uh, I'll watch your newborn so you and your spouse can go have a date? Because we know what happens often with a newborn in the house, your date life plummets. And I care enough out of sister and brotherly love for your marriage let me watch your child and I'll, I'll even give you the $30 gift card to go let me just bless you what does it look like in the circle to have someone who just had knee surgery and you know they, can't, they can get around a little bit but perhaps they're in your circle and you decide you know what I'm going to go grocery shopping for them they just got to give me their list and their credit card by the way so I can go buy their stuff what does that look like And before long, there's, you know, that white stuff that's going to come out of the clouds soon. And all of a sudden, we have six inches of snow on the ground. And you're like, oh, there's no way they could ever shovel their driveway. And you get up and go over there and shovel their driveway for them. What does it look like to love one another with brotherly and sisterly love, family affection within the group? Now, you may be sitting back going, Ryan, that's great. When I like the circle, the ones I like, I will love on. However, Ryan, remember you said people are annoying. I got a lot of those. I'm having a hard time loving on them. Well, let me show you another one. How about accept one another? Here's what Paul writes to the church in Rome. In Rome. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Now, in order to really understand what it's like for the Romans to receive this letter from Paul, let let me take you back to a model of Rome. Here's like an Olympic-sized stadium. There's the Colosseum where a bunch of Christians got martyred. There are pagan temples all over this picture of pagan gods and goddesses that they worshiped. Not only that, they were public bathhouses. In a public bathhouse, you would go to a cool pool, into a lukewarm pool, into a hot pool, both men and women. Now we jump back into the story and we understand, ah, accept one another just then as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. What did that look like for them in the circle? It could have been here where a guy says, hey, man, haven't gotten a shower in them recently. I'm going to hit the bathhouses this weekend. Anyone want to Come. And this person's here saying, Are you crazy? There's no nudity in the Jesus movement, and they're naked in the bath, men and women. We can't go there. Or this person sitting here and sitting there going, Man, the Venus festival is this weekend, and they're having chariot races. Do you guys want to go together? And this person sitting here going, If you show up to the Venus festival, Isn't that like we're honoring this false god now? Like, how does that work? What what are we doing here? Can you see that tension here that could be happening within the circle in the city of Rome? There's a lot. These are first-time followers of Jesus trying to understand the Jesus way. And they're just trying to battle it all out in a very pagan culture. Now, I like being equal here. So what does that look like for us in our circles today? Now, remember, I love you. Remember, I love you. So I'm gonna offend all of us at the same time. Perhaps, remember, I, I, I love you. Perhaps, this is very generic, okay? Remember, I love you. When you throw that disclaimer out many times, you know your pastor's worried about what he's gonna say here. Perhaps your circle, circle It's very diverse. And you have everyone from all different backgrounds coming together, and you're trying to do life together. You're trying to, what's the goal one more time? The goal is those three-letter words to be like Jesus. And in it, you're at prayer time, and this person here could have maybe a Lutheran background, maybe a little more reserved and stoic in their prayer time. And they're very much like this during the prayer time. Nothing, that's just their background. And then over here, you've got the person with a Pentecostal background that won't even sit down during the prayer time. Because they're like, oh, Holy Ghost, can you bring the fire? Fire, Holy Ghost. And the Lutheran here, because of the Stoic background, is like, oh my gosh, God, please make that Pentecostal sit down because this is so annoying. And the Pentecostals over here saying, God, get that Lutheran raising his hands because there's Holy Ghost fire up in here. You laugh because you know it's true. <laughs> Similar, different backgrounds, but accept one another. Is either way right? No. Or this one here is, has a maybe more of a Presbyterian or Catholic background, and they want to share with you their drinking experience from the weekend. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> this person has a Baptist background. What, you're drinking? (laughs) I love you. This person has more of a reformed, Calvinistic viewpoint on life and say, you know what, we're all predestined. There's this thing called election anyways. Like, really, what's the point of missionaries? Because God's already handpicked who's getting saved. And you have our own denomination, Wesleyan and Methodist over here saying, are you kidding? There's something called free will and everyone will choose to follow away from God and we gotta go after those people. Don't ever get into a predestination or free will argument in your circle. It will be bad, all right? You have this person that says, you know what? you got to have strict parenting. Spoil or Spare the rod, spoil the child. Strict parenting. You have this parent that says, you know what, we're a little more lenient on things. You're a little too strict. You need to ease up, mom and dad. Do you see how this may get played out? We're not all the same. We may have very different backgrounds. But as Paul writes to that church in Rome, listen, accept one another. It doesn't mean agree on everything, but we ought to accept and love one another. Ryan, you obviously don't know the people in my group. They get under my skin. It's the one that constantly talks over everything. And when they change, and they change their parenting style, when they change their, I want everyone up and raising hands, when they they change all that, then I can accept them. Let me ask you a question. How did Jesus accept you? Because Romans chapter 5 is a powerful verse. And he's writing to the church in Rome, the same church that you and I are talking about this morning. And he says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still what, friends? Sinners, Christ died for you. Jesus accepted us unchanged. Jesus didn't wait and say, hold on, God. Send me when they all get their mess together. No, Jesus says, hey, send me, in now the mess is too great. There's a king on the throne named Caesar who's in Rome who thinks he's the son of God. By the way, let me show you who the real son of God is. And he says, hey, I will take their dirt, I will take their mess, and I will save them. Oh, God in heaven, send me now. Remember, friends, what's the goal? The goal is to... like Jesus and if Jesus accepted you and I unchanged, listen friends, we got to love them unchanged even if they look different than us even if half your circle will vote one way or another in a little over two weeks again, the culture says if you love me then you accept my lifestyle no, I will love you and accept you all the time But here at Radiant Life, we will also call sin, sin, because it will devastate you, and it will make a giant chasm between you and God. And we believe in the power of Jesus Christ in this church. And we will stand on truth, but we will stand on grace as well. And Jesus says, I came with grace and truth. And that is our tension. How do we balance both? Are we still friends? All right, it's getting hot, I'm telling you. All right, here's one last one, one last one. The one another list. Ryan, so if I have to accept one another, does that mean everything in the circle goes? Like any any behavior, you can just, obviously your examples, you can do whatever you want. No, because we are to instruct one another. Paul writes to the church in Rome again. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. What does that mean, to instruct? Does it mean, uh, oh, great, Ryan, you just, I, I can't lecture people. It's not lecturing. It's guiding them. It's an exhortation of uplifting now imagine you and I are cruising down, I mean, okay, you and I are going to get hillbilly for a minute, okay? We are cruising down a dirt road. How many of you love the dirt road? <laughs> All right, God bless you. Um, we're cruising down that dirt road together, right? I'm driving, by the way, because i got to drive, and uh, there's no trees on the side. It's, imagine a wide dirt road. We're cruising down, right? And we're not listening to country music, we're listening to something else, Although country would have fit this incident, but I don't like country. So we're, we're going to cruise to sports radio, and we got, I got one hand, and we are busting down this road. We're having fun, like we are flying. I'm doing fishtails, and it's like exhilaration, right? Then all of a sudden, before you and I know it, we hit this sign. Ha-ha! Uh-oh! You and I better change our course of action, right, or direction. We got to change real quick for <laughs> there's bad news. That's what it looks like in the circle. That you may be in the circle and you're getting ready to pray and someone within your circle says, hey, I got a prayer request. I've been unemployed for a year. and I, I feel down and out right now. And you've, maybe you've been there and you need to just encourage them because you know sometimes in unemployment and depression, you can, make, you can compromise your morals and values because you've been down and out for far too long. And you see A warning sign, you just need to give this person. And the appropriateness is not right now in the midst of circle because you're closing with prayer, but afterwards you say, hey, I would love to have coffee with you tomorrow. And you guys grab coffee and you have a discussion. Say, hey, I understand depression. I understand where you're going. I just want to warn you right now. I want to warn you that sometimes when unemployment hits for a year, and that's a long time, that discouragement can come along and sometimes you may compromise something. You may compromise your financial statements right now. You may compromise a relationship that you know you should have never got into in the first place. Let me just instruct you and warn you. And I'm not saying these are happening, but I need to give you that warning sign that you may need to turn around and change your course of action. Or perhaps there's this person here. That sat there and go, How, how'd you guys this week go? And this person's like, man, I, I ran into that one room mom. You know room moms? We're like, their child's perfect, and my child's to blame for everything. Man, she blamed my child for something, and I just wanted to rip into her. I think the next time I see her, I'm, I'm going to let her know what I think of her and her own child. And you're sitting here going, oh, dear God, help me in this one hey, maybe, can we talk afterwards? Because I just want to encourage you and instruct you on something. And you find time, because again, maybe in front of the people's not the right time. But you sit and go, hey, can I help you respond like Jesus right now? My response to you is, maybe let the emotions cool off a little bit. Maybe instead of going and letting that mom know exactly how you feel, I'm going to encourage you to be praying for that mom. You forgive her, you deal with you and whatever your child, you, you need to deal with that stuff, but and please dear God, don't go to Facebook over this. It's the wrong place to go to. Don't smear this mom because I'm trying to help you. What's the three words? Be like Jesus. And I know you want to do those things, but it's not healthy for you. It's the one another list. You can one another well in a circle. And we're called to. In fact, I'm going to bring uh, Pastor Brandon and Chad and Rebecca Van Dozen up on stage. And Chad and Rebecca lead one of our, again, here at Radiant Life. There could circles happen all over, at your workplace, in your neighborhood. Um, But here at Radiant Life, one avenue to get plugged into a circle is our life groups. And Chad and Rebecca Van Dozen, this young, cute couple up here on stage, um, have been leading Life groups for a little bit have been involved in our life groups, and yet they are still chugging away at life groups, this idea of the circle. Sorry, that was the handoff to you.
1: Oh, I was mesmerized by the bromance going on. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) We did have coffee together the other day. You did, yeah, that's funny. Uh, So why did you guys even get involved in life groups to begin with?
2: Yeah, so I'll go back to the beginning of kind of our search for a church in the area. Uh, we visited a lot, and Rebecca made a spreadsheet and was very organized about it all. Uh, but it was really good. Is that true? It, it is true, yeah. You made it too, okay?
0: <laughs> no, so. Hey, we'll do marriage counseling afterwards. That's all right.
2: <laughs> no, so something that was really important to us was having a church that had a strong, focus in small groups life groups in this case and so we ended up here and they've always been important to us.
0: Can I ask, what was on your your spreadsheet? (laughs) Name two. Name two. I'm really curious. Okay,
3: well, we didn't want to forget churches that we had visited a long time ago, so we made things like worship, um, small groups, kids' ministry, the message, even things like greeters and stuff Mm. like that, because we were curious, like, the whole atmosphere and how it would affect our future. But thanks for making me look like a dork.
1: (laughs) I am not good with spreadsheets. Uh, so
2: can, can, I just, can I just add one more thing about yeah. that? Uh, another thing that we really were looking for was deep relationships. We didn't want like surfacey stuff, like, oh, hey, hey, and that's it, and you keep on moving on. And so we really wanted authentic, deep relationships with people.
1: That's so good. I just want that to sit for a minute of, I mean, we all have friends, right? There's some that are just surfacey friends, You just kind of interact or you just talk about the weather sort of thing. Did you hear their heart on that? Like they wanted real deep relationships. And I I just, I think that's awesome. Uh, How have life groups impacted you guys uh, since we made the cut on the spreadsheet, uh, so to speak? Uh, I'm sorry. That was really mean of me to say that. But... (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm thankful that you guys did choose Radiant Life and I'm glad that you guys got plugged in, but just like on a rubber meets the road, like how have life groups impacted you guys? They haven't. Wow.
3: (laughs) This is going way different
1: than first service. (laughs) That's
3: not funny. Okay. This is awesome. Okay, that's not funny. Um, Yeah, we... (laughs) 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 Wow, he's killing it up here. Um, So, yeah, we felt like... Um, When we first joined, we loved the church, but we definitely felt like we didn't know people. We would come, and um, we kind of just felt like another person in the crowd, and so um, that's one small thing, is just that we know people. We know different faces that we can say hi to, um, but it also, small groups have held us accountable um, to quiet time, accountable to being at church, like if we would miss some weeks. I know some of our friends. Are, hey, we haven't seen you in a while, and um, it just keeps us plugged in. And that's because
0: we were visiting the other churches on the spreadsheet. Yeah, right? I know. Oh, I'm never okay. going to
3: live that down. No I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. so it's been good for us, and um, we've met a lot of different people with different backgrounds, and that's been a cool way for us to grow spiritually as well. Yeah.
1: Good. Do you want
2: to retract I, yeah, your I statement, Chad? <laughs> um, so, I'd say the biggest thing that has impacted me is just to be able to see in our different small groups we've been involved in. The backgrounds people have, the personalities they have, things they're passionate about. And when you talk with each other and you dive into the scripture, I heard a quote this past weekend or this week that said, never open your Bible alone. Because first of all, always invite the Holy Spirit. And second, you should, not all the time, but be in a group setting and talk about it as a group. And you can learn a lot. So one of our groups, rate or the ages range from 23 85, And shout out to my grandma for being a part of that and still being involved. So we really can learn a lot from each other. So that's the biggest thing.
1: I I love the fact that you had so much diversity in your group because people are, you know, in a different season of life or something like that, uh, that can speak into other people's lives. So... Don't just get in a circle with the same people that are just like you. Get, get in a circle with some diversity in there. I, I think there's a lot to, to glean from that. Um, so, I mean, you guys have participated in life groups. Like, what was that shift or that moment, that pivot where you went from participating in a life group to actually leading a life group?
2: Yeah, so uh, we actually were a part of the Next Steps experience way back when, when it was starting, and we both found out our top spiritual gift was hospitality. And we really felt like like we're really good at this, we're gifted in leadership. I think that our next step is to be a life group leader. So that that's kind of where the shift came.
1: Shameless plug to Next Steps. Just saying. <laughs> you gotta go to the website, sign up for the Next Steps experience, I and mean, we've used that language all the time. It's hard to describe it, but man. It, They're not the only testimony to say, like, God used the Next Steps experience to reveal to me what my next step was. And it's been different for so many different people. So you you gotta go to the Next Steps experience and uh, see what God's uh, got for you. So what would you say to the person who's maybe on the fence about going to a life group or maybe that person who's gone to a life group because the church is talking about it I didn't have a good experience with it. What would you say to, to those folks uh, with those experiences?
2: I'll start. Um, I would tell them in either case to join one and do it. Uh, I think in a church our size, pre-COVID, like in the 800s, um, and a pastor I like, Louis Giglio, he talks about when you go to a football game, and I'm mentioning Michigan, when you go into the big house, there's over 100,000 people there, and it is so easy to get lost in the crowd, and like you're a part of it, but you know, it's not anything deep really. Uh, and in the same way, when you come here to a church with a lot of people, it's easy to get lost, which kind of sounds bad, but it just happens. And so you have to be intentional. And the tailgate before the game is huge those relationships, that group that you have. Uh, and you check in with each other throughout the week about, I don't know, who they're playing or who's bringing the grill or the drinks. So I think that I would just say to join, it's important.
3: And I'd say if you've had a bad experience in the past, um, try again. It may have just been a weird experience. Or um, I would even challenge you, maybe someone, um, it may be something within you that you're going into it with a bad attitude. I'll just use a simple example. When we switched churches, um, my family did in middle school, Um, I hated youth group, and my dad would force me to go each week, and I was like, I hate this, I'm not going to like it. Um, And I don't know what the switch was, but my heart towards it changed. And it became one of my favorite things. I met some great people. I had really deep relationships, um, became part of the leadership in the youth, and it was awesome. And if I would have just kept the same bitter, negative attitude and not kept going, I would have gotten nothing out of it. And so I challenge you to um, pray before you go in and choose optimism and choose to be joyful at the end, even if it wasn't exactly what you thought it would be. It's still good.
1: Man, that is so good. So two things. Like, who you tailgating with, right? Like, we're coming to the big house here. We enjoy it. We love it. But man, who who you tailgating with? I I love that. And man, Rebecca, like, uh, (laughs) that's so good what you shared about your heart and your perspective going into the group. Because it would be easy to just go in there with that, that bitterness and stuff. But man, like, to, to interflect on yourself uh, about that and to seek God in that, that is, that is so good. Uh, so how, I mean, Pastor Ryan, he's talked about groups being messy and stuff. Uh, have you guys experienced it getting messy or awkward or anything like that uh, with your experience in life groups? Well, there's
3: the common awkward silence where if someone asks a question, you all just stare at the ground or you stare at your Bible or whatever, <laughs> and you don't answer and that's fun, but... Um, Also, I've had people drop some bombs where they share something that they're going through or battling or something that happened in their week, and I'm not going to lie, sometimes it's been shocking, like, what? They did what? And um, I was challenged to really take a step back and love them and not judge them, and I think it was a really good um, opportunity for me to learn how to walk alongside someone that's facing something I maybe never will. Um, And on top of that, that's kind of what the real world's like. If we're going to love on our friends who aren't followers of Christ, we better be able to love on those that are. Um, Mm, So
1: That's good. That'll preach. (laughs) Did someone tweet that? (laughs) (laughs) Dang. That was good. So uh, I'm so thankful for these guys and just their willingness to serve. And, you know, Pastor Ronnie brought this up, the circle training. I I know I said it at the very front of the message. I want to bring it up again. There's over 40 people who've signed up for the circle training And uh, most of those names have never led a life group before. And so I want to encourage you if you just want to learn, what is it? Like, what's some rubber meets the road? Like, we're going to give some good application to it, but we're also going to help feed you and equip you of what this whole uh, circle thing is and just go a little bit more in depth. And so Pastor Ryan and I, we're going to we're gonna lead this training. It's going to be two evenings. It's going to be two hours. and It's just going to be a lot of fun. So I want to encourage you to head over to the website. There should be a button right on the homepage. If you're watching online, I believe that link was being posted in the comments right now. And so I just want to encourage you to to sign up for that circle training. But can we thank the Vandozans? How awesome is that? Thanks, guys. So as I
0: close, as the worship team is going to make their transition, I'm going to ask you a question. What if we just want another... One another better? What would it look like for you? What would it look like for you in your walk with Jesus? What would it look like for the impact of others around you? If you and I just one another, another better. I love this quote by Pastor Andy Stanley, a, a pastor down in Atlanta, Georgia at North Point Community Church. He says this Imagine a world where people were skeptical of what we believed but we're envious of how we treated one another. Is that not good? Why would anyone be envious of how followers of Jesus treated one another? Because we were being like Jesus. I've got one more thing. And I know one anothering... Isn't always easy. I feel as times in this when I've been talking about the circle, I felt like I've been beating the circle, is it's messy, but and it Ryan, you're giving me more evidence to stay away from the circle than jump into one. But I want to be real with you, it does get messy. There's something beautiful about it though. When you have taken someone who's walking in the mess and bring them on the other side and restore them, it's beautiful it's beautiful that you sit back and go that was God not me but thank you God that I was a part of it but lean in right now your relationship with God has implications on the way we one another Jesus was questioned hey Rabbi what's the greatest commandment the religious people were trying to trap Jesus They wanted a reason to stone him and execute him or nail him to a cross. What's the greatest commandment, Rabbi? And Jesus says, the greatest is this, love God. And he could have stopped there, but he didn't. He gave him a second, and the second is this, love others as you love yourself. And all the prophets and all the laws hang on those two. In other words, to an ancient Jewish culture, the entire Old Testament that you and I have, your entire Old Testament, listen, that all hangs on the balance of how you love God and love others. Our relationship with God have implications in the way we want another. And if that's the case, I want to do the best one anothering we can. And how are we going to do the best one another we can if you and I are encouraging one another to be like Jesus. So let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much that you set, you set the perfect example, your son, Jesus Christ. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, who literally, man, that whole, everyone in that time when Jesus was walking to earth should have been serving him, but he says, no, I've not, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. Jesus you one another so well Help us to love one another Even whether we like them or not Let it be the fruits of the spirit Inside of us Overflowing to impact those around us And what an incredible time right now When our nation is polarized Everyone is hurting We don't know what lies in two weeks We don't know what lies in four months from now But God help us To represent you well to this world. Help us to one another really well. Not for the benefit just of others, but so we can grow and be rooted more like you, Jesus. God, you are awesome. You are incredible. You are amazing. And we thank you for loving us. Even as we carry our shame and guilt. You still love us. God, you are good. And we praise you and thank you. And it's in the matchless name of Jesus we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Hey, church family, we're going to close on this last song. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And I love this song because it's titled The Blessing. And I want this song to be spoken and sung over you guys. That God's favor and anointing and blessing would be on you. As Monday morning rolls around for the next six sweet six days till we see each other again, or whether you are already in a circle. But may his favor and blessing be upon you. So let's worship, friends, with this closing song. Let's give our best to God. Why? Because he deserves our best. So let's worship together.